Think about what an incredible experience that was for Mary and Joseph. Think about that first Christmas. You've probably heard the story or at least parts of the story before, but try to imagine yourself there. Try to imagine yourself as them and the things that they went through, the things that they were feeling during that time. Mary was a 14, probably a 14-year-old girl. A 14-year-old girl. And she's pledged to be married to this guy named Joseph. Joseph, so they're engaged, right? Joseph's this incredible guy, great guy, a righteous guy. He actually was a guy who was a a Sadiq, which I encourage you to Google that sometime. But basically, he was a man who followed the Torah. Like, he was a godly man who was looking to follow God. And so they're engaged to each other. And then all of a sudden, this angel comes to Mary. This angel comes to Mary. You imagine yourself? This angel comes to Mary and says that she's highly favored and she's going to be with child. That's what it says. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Imagine that. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. What? I can imagine that. This angel comes to you and tells you that. You're going to be with child. And he's going to be the king of kings. He's going to reign in a kingdom that will never end. And she asked him, she's like, how could this happen? Like, how, how could this happen? I'm pledged to be married. I'm engaged to Joseph, but we've never been intimate. I'm a virgin. How could I be found with baby? And that's what it says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. What? And Mary says, this is Mary's response. Think of how you respond. This is Mary's response. She says, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then she has this incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit. Who knows what that would have been like. And somehow, in some way, she becomes pregnant with the Son of God. And Joseph... Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, and he could have stoned her. He could have had her stoned. That was what the law said. He could have humiliated her. But instead, he was compassionate. He took the compassionate, the humble, the merciful approach, and he was going to divorce her quietly. Even though they weren't married, they were engaged. Engagement was different back then. In order to break an engagement, you actually had to get a divorce. And so he's going he's to divorce her quietly. And all of a sudden, he has an experience with an angel. This angel comes to him in a dream and says this. says, Joseph, son of David, he's a descendant of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What? She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What? Imagine what in the world is going through his mind. Wait a minute. My fiance is going to be with child, and I'm going to be called this baby's father. 
And this baby is going to save people from their sins. Like, it's amazing. And so he listens to the angel, right? And he doesn't divorce her. Imagine what it was like for Mary to have this little baby growing inside of her. Like I've heard, I've heard moms, pregnant moms, talk about, you know, it's like having, having, being pregnant and having a baby grow inside of you is like a spiritual experience. Can you imagine the sort of experience that Mary had when the baby was miraculously conceived? When the baby was, was the promised savior king of all the people, somehow in some way, this baby would be the Messiah. Can you imagine what she was feeling? And then, and then sometime later, a little child is ready to be born. They happen to be on a journey. They happen to be traveling at the time. And the baby was born in kind of an unorthodox place in a barn. But who cares, right? I mean, the baby's born. And he's healthy. And he's strong. The savior of the world was there. He's arrived. And then, they're in the barn, right? Imagine this. Shepherds come in. They've never met them before, but these shepherds come, and they start worshiping God and praising God for this little baby, right? And then, as as if that weren't enough, magi come, wise men come from far away. They They see his star. Somehow, God led these wise men, these magi, to this baby through the stars, and they come praising and worshiping your child. Imagine what they were thinking. And then, as if that weren't enough, they take him to the, to the temple to present him to the Lord, which was what you had to do according to the law of Moses. And in the temple, there's this righteous guy, this old righteous man named Simeon. And when he sees your baby, he starts praising God. He picks up your baby and he starts praising God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He's ready to die. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And then they go in the temple and they see this other old lady, this old prophetess named Anna. And she starts praising God when she sees your baby and saying that he's going to redeem God's people. Like, put yourself in their shoes. I don't know how many Christmases you've been around or how many times that you've heard the Christmas story. It's easy to think of it as a story and something that becomes rote and ordinary. Imagine if you were them. Imagine like the joy and the anticipation, the excitement that you would be feeling in those moments. Their child is literally God's son, miraculously given to you. Imagine how they'd feel. But as amazing and absolutely incredible as all that was, think about how challenging it would have been. Think about how tough their situation would be. How unpleasant at times it would be. How confusing that would have been. And how scary that would have been for them. You know, Mary's a 14-year-old What do you think's going through her head as she's told that you are going to give birth? You're going to be the mom to the savior of the world. What would you be thinking? I'd be thinking, oh, crap. Are you serious? Right? What if if I mess it up? Like, what if if I screw this child up? What What if I hurt him? 
what if I let him down? What if, what if I don't teach him all the things that he needs to learn? And she's betrothed to be married. She's not married yet. And all of a sudden, she's pregnant. What would people say? Can you imagine as people start to see her belly get bigger? She would be shunned. She could be killed. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 22. Who in the world would believe that this baby was God's baby and not Joseph's or some other man? And what would Joseph say when she told him? Well, she told him, you know what? He didn't believe her. I probably wouldn't have either, right? And he's going to divorce her. But can you imagine what he felt? I guess this is his fiance. He loved her. He was committed to her. And all of a sudden, he finds out that she's pregnant. Not with him. Can you imagine what he was feeling inside? He decides not to divorce her, of course, because the angel tells him not to, right? But then they have to go on this journey. Imagine this, ladies. Eight-ish months pregnant. 90-mile journey, probably by donkey, from your hometown of Nazareth down to Bethlehem. 90 miles. Now listen, it's been a while since my wife Marcia's been pregnant. However, I don't think she would have liked a 90-mile donkey ride when she was eight months pregnant, right? Can you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? And while they're there, away from home, 90 miles away, she goes into labor. And they scramble to try to find her a room at the inn. Nothing. They don't have anything. And so she has to have the baby, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, in a stinky little barn with all kinds of animals, hay, dirty, right? And after the baby's born, it says that they wrap him in cloths, probably just whatever clothes they had around, shred it up and make it into a blanket, right? They wrap this baby in cloths and they put him in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. We call it a manger. Manger sounds better than feeding trough, doesn't it? It's a feeding trough, right? And then, as if all that weren't enough, there's a wicked king who wants to kill their baby, King Herod. He hears the, the magi actually kind of accidentally tell him that there's a savior. The king is born. The king of the Jews is born, right? And he starts to freak out. He says, make sure you come back and tell me where this baby is. I want to go worship him. He wants to kill him. And so, God tells you in another dream to Joseph, he's sleeping. He says, listen, there's a king who wants to kill your baby. Here's what you need to do. Go to Egypt. They're already 90 miles from home. I want you to go further. And I want you to stay there until the king dies. Can you imagine what would be going through their head? The king, by the way, killed every baby under two years old in Bethlehem. God knew. God got them out of there safely. Can you imagine all the things that they would be feeling? They have all this joy and anticipation and excitement and wonder, right? And it's mingled with challenge and pain and fear, and confusion, and even heartache. It's weird, isn't it? Christmas is a wonderful time of year, right? Like, you hear Merry Christmas, you hear Happy Holidays, 
But maybe like Joseph and Mary, your holidays are not all that happy right now. Maybe in your life you've got some challenges, like they had some challenges. Maybe in your life you have some painful things that you're walking through right now. Maybe in your life you're dealing with heartache, you're dealing with loss. Maybe in your life it's just not what you planned it to be, it's not what you dreamed it would be, and you're disappointed and you're confused. How do you celebrate Christmas? How do you celebrate the joy of Christmas when life's not that happy? Well, that's what I want to dig into today, okay? Before we do, let me say this. Let me, let me give you a couple things coming up that I want to make you aware of. So um, tonight we're going to continue on in the, in the Christmas series that we've been doing. It's, it's Christmas with Red Cups, Black Fridays, and Happy Holidays, right? We're going to continue on that here in a second. But Thursday, I want to invite you all to Thursday. So um, Thursday's Christmas Eve, in case you didn't know that. And we're going to do a service a little bit different. I'm pretty excited about this. So we found out a while ago that we weren't going to be able to do our Christmas Eve service here. And so uh, we had to get creative, and God uh, opened up an awesome opportunity for us, and we're going to do it at Lake Cinema. So the big cinema is probably packed right now, people watching Star Wars, right? Well, I'm hoping it's going to be packed on Thursday with people going to church. And so we're going to go over there, we're going to do a service at 7 o'clock. We're going to do one service. It's kind of the window that we're able to get into there, but we got a really big theater, the biggest theater that they got on the ground floor, and uh, we're going to do it kind of all together. There's no power kids, like right now... All of our kids are down in the gym right now. There's no Power Kids ministry on uh, Christmas Eve. The kids are going to be in service with us, which I'm pretty excited about. There'll be babies crying. There'll be people moving around. It's okay. It's going to be a blast. And we're going to do a service. We're going to keep it at an hour long, and we're going to do a service that will be um, friendly, family friendly, friendly to kids. In fact, the kids are going to be doing some stuff in the service. It's actually going to be pretty cool. So um, in your program, you got a little card. Actually, you got two cards. I talk about the little Christmas card first. Um, I put this in there for, we put this in there for you to invite people. So Christmas and Easter are times that uh, maybe people that are not generally church people or uh, maybe don't think about God as much are thinking about God and they're thinking about church. And so it's a great time to invite people to come with you. And so hopefully uh, we all have friends or family that are not connected to the church or not connected to God that we can give one of these cards to and invite them to come with us. So I want to encourage you to um, not just put it in your filing cabinet. This is a, not a filing cabinet, right? Let me use that way. But not just put it in your Bible as a filing cabinet, but instead to give it to somebody and invite them to come with you on Christmas. Also in your program, we have a little connection card. And I just want to say this. If there's something that you have a question about, um, something that you want some people to pray for you for, you can just fill that out on here. There's a little space on the back for prayer requests, and there's a place that you can write questions. And we'll follow up with you. All the things that uh, you write on there for prayers, we as the that goes to the staff, that's it, and they see those and they pray for you. Um, and so I want to, to be able to do that if you've got some stuff in your life that you would like prayer for or any questions as well. And then you could just drop that in the little offering basket that we'll pass around after service. Make sense? Okay, so I found this great article this week on a biblical perspective of joy and happiness. Joy and happiness by a guy named Jack Wellman. There's a difference between these two things. A lot of times we use joy and happiness sort of interchangeably, like they're the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're actually different. 
In fact, one of those things is promised to us in the Bible, and one of them is not. In John 15, 11, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking to them about, about abiding in him. About, he talks about the vine and the branches, and he's like, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. Kind of get your strength, your, your energy from me, right? And so he says this. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So which one's promised to us in the Bible, you think? Joy, right? Which one's not promised to us in the Bible? Happiness, which is kind of an interesting thing. What do you want more in your life, joy or happiness? Well, it's a good question. What's the difference between the two? Well, let's talk about it. What is happiness? I love happiness. I like to be happy. I'm kind of a happy guy most of the time. But happiness is context-specific. So we're going to talk about the differences here. Happiness is context-specific. Like how many times, let me give you an example. How many times have you been driving in your car and you got your music on, you're kind of jamming, right? You're singing, singing along. Thank goodness that people don't have like cameras on us in the cars or microphones, right? But like jamming in the car, your life is good, you're happy, you're feeling great, you're going somewhere fun, then all of a sudden somebody pulls out in front of you, right, they cut you off, you almost hit them, almost, they almost cause an accident, and then they stay in front of you and they drive nice and slow. Have we ever had that happen to them? I have, many times. And then you go around them, right? You know, maybe pass them, and they look at you, and they give you, and they give you a dirty look, right? Or worse yet, they do some gesture towards you, right? How quickly does your happiness turn into rage, right? Happiness is context specific. Similarly, it's circumstantial, so it's based on life's circumstances. So when life's good, I'm happy, right? It's easy to be happy when life's good. When I'm free from pain and suffering, I got no money problems. I got no, no relationship problems. It's easy for us to be happy. It's circumstantial. Happiness as well can come from good things, good and healthy things, and it can come from some not so good and not so healthy things. Here's what I mean. So like somebody says something nice to me, somebody says some kind words to me, that makes me happy, right? Like we all like to hear nice things, right? Somebody uh, gets, I, I get good grades in school, it, it makes me happy. You get promoted in your job, it makes you happy. Losing five pounds makes you happy. Your sports team, the Browns win, you're happy. We haven't been happy very much around here, have we? Right? But then we could also get happy for some unhealthy ways. And it's, and it's sort of this short-term happiness, right? You get happy going and drinking some beer. Right? You go into a bar. Most people aren't miserable in a bar, at least in the time being. They're having fun. They're laughing. They're being silly, right? You smoke something. I'll make you happy for a little bit of time. You can click on something on the Internet that you know you shouldn't put in front of your eyes. That might make you happy for a short amount of time. But it's fleeting, right? Happiness is like here for a moment, and then it's gone. Sometimes it could leave you very, very unhappy, depending on what you're going to for your happiness. I like what this guy Jack Wellman said in this article. He said, happiness is based upon happenings, meaning if things happen to go well, you're happy. But if it happens that something bad occurs, then your happiness is likely gone. 
I think, I think that's a good way to say it. It's based upon happening, it happenings. It's based upon our circumstances in our lives. So what's the problem with happiness? Well, it comes and goes, right? It's here and then it's gone. It's nice to have, no doubt. I love feeling happy. It's a gift from God for sure. But it's not consistent. It's fleeting in our lives. In many ways, it's out of my control too. Although I think that as we mature and grow, we can choose to be happy even beyond our circumstances, right? But by and large, our happiness is determined by what's happening in our life. So what's joy? What's, what's the difference between happiness and joy? What's joy? Joy is the one that's promised in the Bible, right? Now, joy is different. Joy is not context-specific. It doesn't come and go depending on what's happening in my life, right? I can be joyous beyond all of that stuff. Similarly, it's not circumstantial. There could be lots of hard and challenging, difficult things in my life, and I could still be full of joy. Right? I've seen some of you guys deal with that. It's, it's how somebody could get the cancer diagnosis and still be full of joy. It's how somebody you know, could lose their job for, for doing the honest thing, doing the right thing, and not have a source of income, but they could still be full of joy. It's how somebody could lose somebody that they love in their life and still be full of joy. Joy is different. It's something that we could be full of no matter what's going on in our lives because it comes from deep within our being as an irrevocable gift to us. This is so important. Joy is an irrevocable gift given to us. Remember what Jesus said? In John 15, 11, he said, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. Joy comes from who? From Jesus, right? Joy comes from Jesus. See, deep, lasting, foundational joy can be ours only one way in this life. And that's through Christ. He's the one that makes us joyful. You know why? Because of what he's done and also what he's doing. Other things can make us happy for the time being, can make us happy for a time, right? Some good things, some not so good things. But Jesus is the one that fills me with the joy that can never be taken away from me, can never be taken away from me, no matter what's going on in my life. So joy is lasting to us from God, while happiness is fleeting, right? And it comes not from God somewhat, but from people and from situations. Both are nice, but tonight, I'd argue that only one of those things is essential. One of those things is essential for us. When you have that deep, foundational, lasting joy in your life that comes from Jesus, it changes the way that you walk through life, right? It changes the way that you deal with things. You still feel pain. You still feel sadness. You still feel all of those things, heartache, struggle, frustration, right? The weight of life. You still feel those things. You just do it from a fundamentally different position. Let me give you an example. I'd be wondering why we have all this stuff up here. Let me give you an example. Imagine you're a cup. Imagine you're a glass. Okay? When you make a decision to follow Jesus, it's like God pours his joy inside of you. It fills you up, right? It fills you so full. And, and you have other cups in your life, right? Like you have other people that you care about. 
other people that you love, other people that play some sort of role in your life. And sometimes they kind of butt up against you, right? Like sometimes, sometimes they do some things that are hurtful to you as a cup. Sometimes bad things happen to the cups, and a cup might, that you love might get crushed. Right? Sometimes there's other external things that go on in your life, like fire comes. Sometimes people burn you. Sometimes situations burn you. Sometimes that burning leaves marks on you. And it leaves little charred edges around your cup. Sometimes the winds of life start blowing. Ready for this? I'll turn it on high. Sometimes the winds of life start blowing and it can shake things up. And it can feel like there's chaos, right? It can be confusing for us. It can feel like we're always running into the wind, never going with it, always running against it. Other times it can feel like life is just shaking all over the place, right? Like it's an earthquake. Like it's careening out of control. You feel those things, right? As a cop, you still feel it. You feel the heat. You feel the wind. You feel all of those things. Doesn't mean that you don't feel them. But does it make the cup any less full? still full, right? Those things, when we love Jesus, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we can stay full of the joy that he gives us because he changes our perspective. He changes the way that we walk through life. See, some situations are not happy. Happiness isn't always appropriate. When other cups that you love fall and are crushed and are hurting or they do something hurtful to you, It's not always appropriate to be happy, but it's always appropriate to be joyful. It's always appropriate to be joyful, and it's always available to us through Jesus. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything in my life. It changes everything. I'm not talking about praying a prayer when I was seven years old. I'm not talking about faithfully going to church every week since I was a kid. I'm not talking about trying to be a really good person and make myself acceptable to God. I'm talking about having a relationship with the Son of God who came 2,000 years ago, which we celebrate this week, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose again and one day is coming back. Having a relationship with Him changes everything It changes everything, and it changes the way that I navigate through life, right? A relationship with Jesus fills us with an unspeakable joy and hope. Joy and hope are like very closely connected, right? Having a relationship with Jesus fills us with an unspeakable joy that can never be taken away from us. And yet our pain and heartache and troubles and sorrow and all of those things are real, right? They're all real. We feel them. 
The Bible calls them, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible calls them light and momentary troubles. Think of all the rotten stuff that you've gone through in your life. The Bible calls them light and momentary troubles. They don't always feel that way, do they? They don't always feel light. They don't always feel momentary. And guys, God's not trivializing our heartache. That's not what he's doing. He's not trivializing the troubles and the stresses and the painful experience, experiences that we've had. God is present in our struggles. And the pain and the hurt that you and I feel is real. And God knows it. And he lovingly walks with us through all of those things. He lovingly walks with us through all of the heartache. Sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that. Sometimes we don't feel that. But he promises to be with us. When God calls our troubles light and momentary, he's not trivializing them. You know what he's doing? He's putting them into context. He's putting them into context. Let me explain it to you this way. You ever get a hangnail on your finger? I get these things all the time. I hate hangnails. I don't know if I like just have a, if it's inherited or I have like a proclivity to hangnails, but I get these things all the time. In fact, I have a couple right now and they really hurt. They especially hurt when you think about them, you know? And like, well, I'm not thinking about it. It's not that bad, but then you do something, you know, you rub on it and it tears a little bit more. All right. Imagine that you got a hangnail and then you go to Giant Eagle, and you go and you get your groceries, and you get all the stuff that you need to get, and then you remember, uh, as you're at the checkout, that uh, the Mega Millions jackpot was $204 million right now, okay? And so you go, ah, I get one. I know I'm probably wasting my money, but maybe God wants me to win it, right? That's what we say. (laughs) And so you go, and you get a lottery ticket, and then you go home that night, it's Tuesday night, so it's on TV, you know, they do the drawing, and you're looking at it, and you're thinking, man, this hang- I hope I don't hit my hangnail with this little piece of paper, right? It's still, it's bothering you. But then you're watching TV, and you go, you're watching it, and you go, two, two, 28, 28, 32, 32, 49, 49, 10, 10, and you realize I have just won $204 million, right? Like, you're going crazy. Imagine what you'd be thinking, right? Like, all the money that you got, all the people that you could help, all the stuff that you could do, right? How much do you think about that hangnail? (laughs) Right? We never think about that hangnail. See, here's my point. Our pain and suffering, that's what they're, that's what they're like compared to what, what's in store for us when we know Jesus. Maybe, maybe you want to write this down. Everything else pales in comparison to the joy of knowing Jesus. Our troubles are light and momentary because of what's come and what's coming. Not because they don't hurt. Not because they're not painful. They still hurt. We still feel those things. Hangnails can be incredibly painful, especially when they become our focus. But compared to the joy, the incredible joy of knowing Jesus Christ and the feeling of having every single one of my sins forgiven, all of the stupid, rotten, hurtful things that I've done in my life are no longer my baggage to carry. And no longer is God my enemy, but now he's my friend. And knowing that this life isn't all that there is, 
but there's a life to come, and I'm going to spend it in paradise with my heavenly, loving Father. Guys, nothing in this life can compare with that, and nothing can take that away from me. The gospel, the good news that started 2,000 years ago at Christmas makes it possible for us to live with joy this Christmas season, even when life is tough, even when we've got sickness, that diagnosis that we were praying we wouldn't get, even when we've got loved ones that are no longer with us, and this is our first Christmas without them. Even when we have money problems, even when we don't have a job, even when we have broken relationships and family struggles, even when we have a painful past that still has got festering wounds on it, we can have joy amidst all of that because of Christmas, because of what we celebrate at Christmas. And I want to be clear, I want to say this too. If we're waiting for life to be good and pleasant, and not have problems, and not have struggles before we experience joy, before like we, we think that we can be happy and be joyful, we're going to wait a long time. And we're not going to get there. Life doesn't have to be absent of pain to experience joy. Let me say that again, because I think some of us probably need to hear that tonight. Life does not have to be absent of pain for us to experience joy. Sometimes we think life has to be good before I can be happy, before I can be joyful. Guys, can I tell you something that you already know? The world that we live in is fallen, right? It's kind of messed up. There's kind of some rotten things all around us. There's some wonderful things too, and we don't dissociate from the world, but it's kind of messed up. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about who the ruler of this world was? It says Satan, right? Sometimes I think the ruler of this, it's Satan, guys. Satan's world is twisted, it's filled with lies, it's filled with pain and heartache and all of those things. To live in this world, we got to wade through hard times. There's good times, but there's hard times as well. It's just a part of how things are for the time being. But God made us to exist in this world successfully. Not just exist, but to exist in this world successfully. We're not just tossed around by, by the waves of life. Right? We're not just sitting out in the ocean going up and down. All of our circumstances. Some days we've got great days. Some days we have terrible days. And we're just going along with the current. That's not, that's not how he's left us. We have an anchor. Right? We have an anchor in Jesus. He tethers us. We're not powerless to just be tossed around and be dependent on our circumstances for our joy and even for our happiness. We have an anchor in Jesus. He holds me in place. So when life gets hard, I can be steadfast. I can stand firm. Even when the waves get huge, my anchor holds tight, right? It holds me tight. It holds me secure, that's the perspective that the joy of my salvation gives me. It's unshakable. It's unwavering. I've been wished this Christmas, happy holidays. I've been wished Merry Christmas, all those things. And it doesn't bother me. I know some people get really upset when somebody wishes them. Well, I know Chris, I said this way. I know some Christians get really upset when somebody wishes them happy holidays, like, 
people have to know that we're Christians and wish us a Merry Christmas. That doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. I've been wished a lot worse things upon me, right, <laughs> than Happy Holidays. But my prayer for you guys, for us, I'd love for your holidays to be happy. But even more than that, I'd love for your holidays, our holidays, to be filled with joy because your cup was made full through a relationship with Jesus. See, we can have joy this Christmas no matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on in our lives. Not because things don't hurt, not because there's not pain or sadness or sorrow. We don't have to pretend like we're impervious to all of that stuff. We can have joy. We could celebrate because God put skin on for you and for me. He became flesh for you and for me so we could receive mercy and forgiveness and grace and unspeakable joy. So I want to end the way that Paul ends his letter in Romans 15, close to the end of his letter. He says this. So he's talking to people that he loves, and he says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.